Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 110th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. Happy Friday! It's the second of our creator episodes this week, so let's jump right into today's topic. One thing we can always expect to see a little bit more of in the indie space is the inclusion of more magical boys, of course. But also in particular, we are talking today about a story about a trans magical boy. Of course, we've had other stories in the past about trans characters, but this story in particular, I think, is the most directly about the trans experience. Um, you know, we do have quite a few stories where characters just happen to be trans, but this one's a little bit more focused on that experience. But yes, we are going to be talking about Transformed today. So this is a comic by Al Nguyen, who was a very delightful chat. We really talked about, you know, both the story and how it relates to magical girls. And then, of course, his own experience, both in and out of the genre. It was a really, really lovely read. It's just the first volume out right now. There will be more comic to come, of course. But it is just a really fun, cute little story to uh, jump right into. Due to the nature of it being a story about a closeted trans character, you know, we don't really talk about it in detail in this conversation, but if you're going to be reading the story for the first time, there will be cases of, you know, characters misgendering our protagonist, whether it's intentional or not. Um, So please keep that in mind as you read, because it is a part of the experience. And yeah, I think that is everything else I wanted to say about this up top here. But, you know, just again, a very, very lovely chat and a very lovely story that I really enjoyed. And I hope you do, too. So let's jump right in to the conversation with Al about his story, Transformed. So we are here to talk about the webcomic Transformed, and I'm really excited to get to know the guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Al Nguyen. I'm a cartoonist. I use he, him pronouns, but they, them pronouns are fine too. Awesome. So yeah, I'm really excited about the stories. It was very fun to read and, you know, delightful art style and everything. But before we get started with your story, I'd like to hear more from your history. So what is your history with the magical girl genre? I think it's pretty typical for somebody who grew up in like the 90s and aughts in America. There was like very early Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura on like Toonami, Kids WB, uh, sci-fi at one point, I think. Um, Just the general anime that you'd get exposed to on television at that time. And, you know, that caught my attention a lot just because the animation style and the sort of stories they were telling were so extremely different than anything that you would see otherwise at that time. Hmm. So 
what is your relationship to magical girls like now so like do you still watch magical girls are you like watching any new series do you revisit old stuff uh I'm kind of all over the place with what series I watch at this point, so I don't specifically seek Magical Girl series out, but I also don't avoid them. Hmm. I kind of really liked them when I was a kid and up into being a preteen, and right when I got into like high school, puberty, awkward, weird gender feelings happening, I became really self-conscious about liking them and just stopped watching them, started watching like ultraviolence, seinen, helsing, gantz type stuff. And then as I've gotten older and more comfortable with myself, I've gotten back into watching both newer Magical Girl series and re-watching those older series that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you think it is that brought you back to Magical Girls? They're awesome. <laughs> That's true, yes. <laughs> A big part of it was just like the same things that drew me to them in the first place. The stories have a lot of like connections between people and combat with like non-violent solutions Mm. to problems. Like, you know, in a lot of Magical Ghost Pearl series, and certainly not all of them, but the end goal with the enemy isn't to kill them. It's to like resolve the conflict that's going on. And it's nice when the general media environment that we exist in to see stories that have resolutions that aren't always about destroying people mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense visually i just really adore all of the ridiculous like sparkles and effects and particularly since i'm more comics oriented now just the screen tones and delicate inking are all absolutely spectacular for magical girl manga yeah, that makes sense. There, there's definitely a certain, um, a certain like aesthetic that you can associate with a magical girl comic. Yeah. So, getting to your story, then, um, just for anyone who hasn't read it yet, what is Transformed about? Transformed is a trans magical boy story about a closeted trans guy in college who is trying to come out to his best friend. Goes really badly. <laughs> And as a semi-consequence of that, he ends up finding this amazing magical ring that seems to be granting everything he could possibly wish for and makes him this, you know, hot, fashionable, cool guy with the exact body he's always wanted. And it explores the idea of transformation as a form of self-expression and wish fulfillment as well as the kind of complications that come from living your life fully within this wish fulfillment fantasy. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think the first thing that I noticed right away with your comic that makes it stand out to me is that, you know, of course, this is a story about transformation. Transformation is just the major part of most Magical Girl series. But in this story, you know, our, our, our protagonist, Caden, does not have some kind of cool outfit associated with his transformation. His transformation is of just his physical body, like you said, to his to his ideal standard. And like, you know, I thought that was really interesting because even for other magical boy stories, we usually see the playing into tropes of like 
getting a cool outfit, sometimes a cute outfit too, you know, it depends on the, on the character. But um, I thought that was like, that for me was like the first thing that stood out that was very interesting. So I was kind of wondering about that, like why you decided to go with that choice. Well, he gets a little bit of an outfit transformation. So what I actually do is like, I'll take whatever outfit he's wearing at the time and then design his transformed outfit based on that. If it were like, more appropriately cut to the shape of his body and a little more fashionable and more matching with just like what he was thinking in his head when he put it on. Hmm. And part of that was just that I'm not super confident in my fashion designs. I couldn't think when I was doing development for it at the time of anything that I really wanted to go back to again and again. That makes sense. And part of it was inspired by Cardcaptor Sakura, wherein Tomoyo is always making those really amazing episode to episode outfits. So doing it this way, I give myself some leeway. I don't have to keep the details exactly the same every time. And I get to do like these really cool interpretations of like, what it looks like when someone puts on clothes and doesn't quite get the result they're looking for versus this idealized, beautiful version of the outfit where every part is fitting perfectly and things are impractical, but not getting in the way and all that. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So another thing that's really like right off the bat interesting about this series is that he finds this ring and he uses it and he's able to fight evil with it, which is exciting. But he doesn't have any mentorship at all. You know, there's no one telling him what to do. He's like trying to figure it out on his own. And it's still as of, you know, five chapters in, it is still a complete mystery. What on earth is going on? You know, he's trying his best to figure it out, but it's it's proving to be very difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that choice to kind of leave him without anyone to guide him. Like, you know, he met Dot and Dot is trying to help, but, you know, they're not a magical person themselves. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's an interesting one. I haven't examined that choice so much as like outside of not at the time really feeling like I wanted to have somebody who showed up who had all the answers but I think it's probably really influenced just by the experience of growing up in queer communities particularly after what happened in the late 80s and early 90s um, and that kind of no man's land of a lot of queer elders and mentorship being gone mm. and not really having answers for that. So to me, outside of like those little connections you can find here and there on the internet, the process of finding yourself and finding your path in a queer space really wasn't something that came with the guidance. Mm -hmm. And Dot himself is supposed to kind of be that older queer person who has put the work in and found a place they're comfortable with themselves with and just kind of be that community connection for Kay who's lacking mm. that. But the magical side of things, it's just kind of something they're going to have to carve out on their own. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. It's very interesting to see like how Kay is dealing with all sorts of things. Like we start off right at the, off the bat, right? Like he's still in the closet. He wants to tell his best friend, Jake, but Jake is kind of in his own world, I think. 
Jake thinks he's being a very good friend. Jake (laughs) is not the most observant person with things outside of his own experience. I've done a whole lot of thinking about what's going on in Jake's head because it's a really delicate balance to strike between him being like a person with his own stuff going on and just being a dick. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, I haven't interpreted anything that he's done so far as being like intentionally malicious. Like you said, he thinks he knows what he's doing. Like he thinks he's being a good friend to Kay. But of, of course, Kay is stuck in this really, really awkward situation. Um, and I do have to uh, point out the romance of this series because, <laughs> you know, Kay likes Jake and they kissed when he was in his transformed state. So that's already like there's so much awkwardness going on there. Uh, in the middle of everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it is also like a classic magical girl trope, right? The crush on someone and like liking someone when they're transformed and then them having no idea who you are when you're not transformed. It's like there are so many series that have that particular trope. So yeah, absolutely. It's It's very much that sort of thing. And in addition to that, I really wanted to make it so that Jake kind of like played the damsel in a lot of situations and there was a like fairly masculine dude who was taking the damsel role. Hmm. So mashing both the oh this mysterious person who has saved me who could they be and you know some of those damsel tropes together is how I got a lot of his character. Yeah that makes sense. But the romantic relationship between Jake and magical boy formed Kay like obviously has some problems because they're really close outside of that and that's not a good power dynamic going on right and that's something that i'm trying to be really careful with and hope to get to more of later on Mm-hmm. sure i mean it does seem like Kay is also very aware of that and is trying to figure it out for himself like how to like not mess that boundary up so yeah Kay is aware of it but he's also got like you know, kind of the, damn it, I wish I could just have things simple and be happy bit kind of tugging at him. And that impulse can get people to act in some not great ways sometimes. Hmm. So like, at the end of the last time that they had an interaction, they were scheduling a date and like, going on that date, there's a question of like, how much he's going to manage how close they are and like how he uses stuff he already knows about Jake. Hmm. And I don't expect he's always going to act ideally in that. But, you know, character growth is kind of part of what this is all about. Sure, sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, I'm curious about how you got started with creating this concept and getting to the comic as it is now. Well, I've been attempting to start comics since I was like 14 and successfully started this one when I was 24. (laughs) So there was a whole lot of ideas that didn't quite get off the ground. I actually initially proposed this as a collaborative one shot with a friend of mine when we were coming back from a convention one time Hmm. and they were interested in it and ultimately like had their own stuff going on, but the idea stuck with me. So when I finally wanted to just sit down and force myself to get a comic done, I chose the first chapter of Transformed to do it with and intentionally made that as a one shot where if it didn't get any traction, 
it would be a satisfying self-contained story. People could read it. They could have fun. And there didn't have to be any more. Mm. Um, fortunately, people seem to like it. So I've <laughs> been continuing the story from there, just kind of doing my best to keep things moving. Sure, sure. That makes sense. So who is the, the target audience for Transformed? The audience that I have in my head is kind of, uh, I mean, obviously trans people and trans mask people, but there's a specific experience I had during the time after which I had like come out to myself and the people around me, but before I was really far in my transition where dysphoria kept me up late at night and I just like insomnia, horrible feelings, couldn't sleep. And I read just hundreds and hundreds of trans web comics during that time. And that was a way that I coped with things. Hmm. And in writing Transformed, I'm really trying to make a comic that can do that same task for other people. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm trying to think of like how there. Yeah, that's a lot of comics. <laughs> I mean, I had to dig a lot of them up and many of them weren't good, but it was mm. kind of what I needed at the time. Mm, I see. Are there any like particular titles you want to uh, shout out that were oh. like especially helpful? Gosh, um, definitely not most of the bad ones because <laughs> I don't want to direct people to them and I don't want to make the people who worked on them feel bad. Mm-hmm. But Chaos Comics by Tab Templeton was a big one for me, particularly in the high school ages. Hmm. It's a pretty archaic comic by webcomics time at this point, but it was a very good story just with a lot of queer characters. It was the first story that I read that had a trans man in it. Hmm. Um, and another one that I definitely read through probably like a dozen times over the years was Rooster Tales, hmm. uh, which is by a New Zealand artist and trans man who's just doing kind of diary comics about the stuff in his life. Mm -hmm. I see. Great, great. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to speak out of turn because I am a, a cis woman, but I do think that I could see this comic being something that would definitely help, you know, especially other closeted trans men and uh, trans mask people like see themselves uh, reflected because a lot of other even just looking at like magical boy comics, there are other comics, of course, with magical boys who are trans and, um, you know, same as uh, for for trans feminine, trans women and I think that it's very interesting to see like what kind of stories people want to tell where it's like, do you want to focus more on the genre stuff or do you want to focus like, how do you balance those things? Right. And so I think that this, this is an interesting um, balance between like telling a trans story and telling a magical boy story. Uh, it's really fun to see how you are kind of playing with both at the same time. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Glanced at a couple of other trans magical boy stories. Honestly, when I was developing this, I couldn't find anyone who was exploring the concept. And I so far haven't found any of the stories that started before like 2015-ish when I published the first chapter. But it's been both surreal and cool to see more stories popping up on that idea. Sure, um, I've been trying yeah. not to read too much of them because I want to be able to finish this without getting influenced about by like <laughs> worrying about what other people are doing with the concept. But from what I've seen, yeah, there's people using the magical boy, magical girl, uh, magical guardian is something I've seen suggested, which is cool to me. Mm -hmm. Framework to, you know, 
take that in completely different directions, all of which are reflecting real trans experiences. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, when I'm writing Transformed, I'm trying not to sweat too much about keeping it within the typical genre constraints, so much as using that genre as a framework and narrative device to like really get into the subjects that I want to talk about. And it's very much written from a place of deep love for Magical Girl stories and a lot of influence from the visuals from it and narrative structure from it. But I'm also giving it that space to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Especially, I feel like in the past 10 years, there has, and actually in Japan in particular, it's been like the past like two or three years that there's just been a, a huge jump in like, exploration of gender in particular with magical girls which i think it just kind of feels like it's like the next big topic (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean i feel like the magical girl genre both structurally and historically is really amazingly suited to it because i know one of the reasons that the magical girl genre really caught on was that its ability to utilize femininity as a source of strength and power rather than something that makes you, you know, weak or the person who needs to be rescued. And similarly, it can be used to explore these marginalized gender experiences as a source of power. And I think that's amazing. People really need that. Yeah, definitely. I I could see that for sure. Also, um, just like, it's kind of interesting because there's so many ways to take the gender conversation, I guess. So, you know, like you said, like this genre is very feminine centered, but of course there are magical girl stories where the girls are more masculine of center. And like, well, your story, it's very much about like when, when transformed K becomes like this, like idealized version of himself, which happens to be more masculine. So, you know, there there's a lot there that's really interesting to see uh, play out for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier on, when I was first getting those gender feelings and not really having words for them, I actually became like really insecure about enjoying Magical Girl series or anything with sparkles. And I think part of what I'm trying to do with it is like create something that is very aggressively saying those things are fine to coexist. Yeah. There are definitely sparkles for sure. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. They're so much fun to render. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what would you say are the influences for Transformed? I mean, Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura are definitely the two big ones. I not only grew up with those, but I've been like specifically purchasing volumes of the manga to study as part of just research and development for this. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I thought about this question and then it's all just flying out of my head now that I'm being <laughs> asked it. Well, I mean, you know, there are influences in terms of the actual visuals. There's also, you know, in terms of like the like story elements and stuff. I mean, I guess it does need to be pointed out that your story is in black and white with, you know, a screen tone rendering, which isn't necessarily always the case for a Western webcomic. It is. And I, I kind of bounced back and forth about doing that a lot because it's something that I gravitated to when I first got into manga, because, you know, every single teenager in a Western speaking country who gets into manga needs it all to be done with real screen tones and it needs to be read right to left. And they're just copying all of these aspects that they see in these comics they like without understanding why those aspects are there. Hmm. 
But fundamentally, I just really like doing and reading black and white art. And I think screen tones have a beautiful texture to them on the page that really gives more life to it than a flat gray that's printed digitally does. It's added a whole lot of extra work for making the print versions of the pages read well online, though. Because, mm. um, you know, screen tones aren't really suited to web resolution. Sure. Um, but yeah, manga in general is definitely one of the things that influenced me to get into that style of black and white comics and zine culture as well. Things that can be printed cheaply, utilizing your resources to the best of your abilities. Um, something that definitely shows up with clear line work just in like Xerox. All of that's kind of gone into the aesthetics that I focus on for making comics. Hmm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zine culture is also another part of like just the general queer experience that is like very, it feels very formative. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you started this comic in 2015, you said, right? Yeah, I started developing it in, oh gosh, I think the idea was like in 2013 or 2012. And then the first chapter that I was drawing, I started doing development work for in 2014 and ultimately drew and published in 2015. I think August 2015 is when chapter one came out. Hmm. Um, was it always on its own um, website? The website it's currently being hosted on is actually very new. I only launched it either end of last year or the start of this year. Oh, okay. But it was hosted on Tumblr for a long time. Mm. And like, you know, it's was kind of a substitute for having a completely independent site. I didn't want to host it in a way that was relying on Tapas or Webtoons or Smack Jeeves or mm -hmm. any of those. Sure. And what was the reception like on Tumblr? I can imagine a lot of people enjoying it there. Yeah, it didn't exactly make a splash, honestly. Like, I have a pretty small audience as an artist, and the comic itself, you know, slowly kind of drew people in. But it was definitely received positively. People who stumbled across it would really like it. I would get people who were like, I could tell they were reading through because I would be watching my notifications. They would they would like every page. As <laughs> sure, <they went>. yeah. <laughs> it's very cute and fun to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At this point, and noting that the comic hasn't had a new chapter in like two years on account of the entire world being on fire. Sure. <laughs> the Tumblr account for it has a bit over 700 followers. And I think that more than half of those showed up in the first like two chapters worth of content. Hmm. I see. So since it's been a while since you have released any new chapters, what do you think is the... I guess, the future for the comic? Well, I recently, as in uh, last year, published the first collected volume of the chapters that existed so far. And that's kind of the end of the first arc in terms of what I had planned for the story. Mm -hmm. I know where the story is going from here and all of the major plot beats and vaguely, like plus or minus one book, how long it'll take for me to get there. Sure. But in terms of when that'll happen, it's a little hard to say because the world is just really hard to create right now. And since Transformed was started pre-pandemic and takes place in a world that's pre-pandemic, it's kind of difficult to write in sometimes. Hmm. I'm hoping to have Chapter 6 out this year still. Uh, I've been working on it for 
basically this entire time that things have been quiet, except for the time that I was working on the first volume. But I have a full script for it, and it's just a matter of getting it done. Hmm. So do you prefer to uh, release the whole comic, or the whole chapter, I should say, at once? Uh, what I do is I release the whole chapter at once in print. And typically what I would be doing is I would debut that chapter at a convention and there would mm. be, you know, people could buy all of the chapters up to now, including the newest one that isn't online yet. And then once it had had a chance for people to buy it, I would start putting the pages up online on an update schedule, usually twice a week, sometimes once a week, mm-hmm. with the option of purchasing the full chapter in print if you wanted to find out how it ends right this second. Otherwise, it's available for free and people could read it on a regular update schedule and just kind of have the time to get into it. Sure, that makes sense. So I'm guessing because of the pandemic and everything that conventions and so on are a little bit more difficult. I know that they're starting to happen again in some parts of the world, but... Yeah, but I don't really want to go to them. (laughs) That's fair. That's so valid. (laughs) I can't imagine, like, even with, like, recent conventions having all sorts of uh, news about them and stuff. It it feels kind of wild that some really big ones are still happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's really changed everything, and that's a bummer, so I don't want to get into it too much, but it's definitely got me thinking about how I want to release things when Chapter 6 is ready. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So with that, are you working on any other stories? I have a couple of stories that I'm developing just kind of in my off time at the moment. When when I went to VanCaf one year and brought Transformed with me, I actually got invited to participate in this little uh, trans mask anthology. Oh, awesome. Which had five artists, all of whom were trans mask or trans men, writing stories about like monster hunting, kind of Pokemon style or cryptid <laughs> catching. Um, Mm -hmm. It was called Monster Journey. It got published by Pocket Bear Press. And I did a little comic for that that I've been thinking about maybe doing a follow-up to. Oh, very interesting. Can you tell us more about your story from that? Uh, My story was specifically taking the idea of kind of like the Pokemon researchers, like Professor Oak, and focusing on them doing some more like naturalist style researching so they were going out on a kind of cryptid hunting expedition to specifically like tag and make records about a monster that had been sighted in the area Hmm. very interesting so i had a senior professor and a junior professor and it was the junior professor's very first time going out on an expedition (laughs) Um, and i'd like to maybe explore some more stories with the junior Mm -hmm. and um i guess how does that like story compared to transformed like how are they similar or different it's much much shorter um it's just an eight page story and it needed to be kind of encapsulated within that Hmm. so it doesn't really chew scenery or get into the weeds nearly as much as i can allow myself to in transformed and the style is completely different it's um, specifically a more kids targeted cartoony style with like thicker line work Hmm. visually it's got um generally like the way I render nature and the parts of the world that I kind of try to bring into my stories are definitely in common with it and the monster designs are in common with it because I love monsters and I love drawing monsters and I will take every excuse to draw monsters Ooh, fun yeah I enjoyed the monsters so far so looking forward to seeing what monsters um (laughs) we'll get next um so speaking of which um just 
thinking in general about the the story for Transformed, what do you think we can expect to see in the future of a uh, case story? <laughs> well, hopefully more cool outfits, because like I said, that's something that is interesting for me to explore. There's definitely going to be a bit more of a close look at the way that Kay's transformation kind of parallels the ability for somebody to fantasize about an idealized version of themselves that they could transition into and get stuck on that idea and the ways that can hold them back from pursuing things that are actually making would make them happier in everyday life because I know I did and I know a lot of trans people like they get this picture of who they could have been if they were born exactly the way they wanted to be and they decide that transitioning could never measure up to that image in their head and it causes a lot of problems hmm. um so Kay has this whole double identity going on where he can actually be that person but it seems to be coming with its own set of really strange complications and how is he going to handle that mm-hmm. yeah i can i can definitely see where that's going so that's that's very interesting I hope everything works out for him. <laughs> it has a good ending. There's definitely some rough parts ahead, not immediately ahead, but down the line. Hmm. Um, but the whole thing ends in what I think is a really positive way. Hmm. Well, that's good. I can also say that in the short term, the next chapter is going to be very spooky because it's my one chance in the timeline to do a Halloween chapter. Ooh, fun. <laughs> okay great so just to like i guess clarify i know you said you haven't like you know finished writing everything but i guess how long do you expect the story to be so the first book is five chapters and i'm expecting there to be four or five books total Hmm. so that's going to be 20 or 25 chapters total okay sounds good (laughs) great um, so is there anything else that you want to tell us or tell the readers of Transformed? Hmm. If not, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. It's just off the top of my head. Nothing in particular, except that if you have a an idea for a comic and like, as long as it's saying something that you care about, you shouldn't wait to tell it. Like I had to push myself really hard to really get that first chapter of Transformed out, but it's worth it it's been awesome to explore Hmm. great yeah i hope that more and more people find the opportunity to i you know like we said times are tough but hopefully more and more comics can get made in the future so yeah (laughs) so yes i guess we're down to the final question which is al do you have a magical persona for yourself i do not hmm When I was a kid and I was first really into Sailor Moon, I definitely had like Sailor Night, Night Twilight Sparkle or something like that, that I played on the playground with my friends. (laughs) But as much as I really enjoy magical girl stories and as much as I'm writing a magical boy story, it's not something that a lot of my identity and sense of self jives with the in-universe aspects of. 
Hmm. So, you know, I'm the very tired cartoonist drawing the magical girl story. (laughs) Or in universe, I would probably be like a teacher or something. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's not totally evolved in things, but occasionally gets to be, you know, like interesting on a field trip. Okay, interesting. (laughs) Well, it's one thing that I've noticed a lot talking to uh, many creators of stories in the magical girl genre that like there is just... um, A lot of creators don't have their own magical personas, which is just fascinating to me. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think all of the stuff that we would put into like fantasizing about who we would be in that world instead goes into fantasizing about what world we want to make. Hmm. So in a way, you could say that every creator's magical persona is that story they created. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. Great. So with that, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Where can people find your work and how can they support you? You can find me on Twitter at Mousebones, spelled M-O-U-S-B-O-N-E-S, on Instagram at Al Nguyen Art, and you can find my portfolio website at Mousebones.art. You can also read Transformed at transformedcomic.com. I have a Patreon and a coffee, but I'm not really using them a huge amount right now. So on the whole, if you'd like to support me, just read the comic. Okay. (laughs) Well, links to all those will still be in the show notes. So yeah, um, thank you again for coming on and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayu She Knows, A Y U S H E K N O W S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from by filling out the form in the show notes. You could also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about magical girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Look for the link in the show notes. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com slash You can also commission me for art there or buy a print on my imprint page. With a Kofi monthly membership, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, a Discord role, and your name read aloud on the podcast monthly. 
Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the used section as we are not picky here. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. <laughs> <laughs>